sorry if I'm like playing with my gums. No, you're fine. It's gonna look weird. We can explain to the people. But, like, Maddie needs surgery. Watch our YouTube and get her money for her wisdom <laughs> surgery. <laughs> Maddie needs money for her. And B. Here we go. I'll do it this way. Do like the Sarah McLaughlin song. <laughs> to the arms. I'll play like some sad music at the beginning of the podcast. It's like, yes, this poor, poor girl has had the roughest day that you could possibly imagine. She got into, she had a pop tire on the side of the road. She got home and her dog hit her in the mouth, causing pain in her wisdom teeth. And then she had to get on a podcast because her co-host couldn't reschedule for another day because he's going to be busy for the rest of the week. As she sits through this podcast or enduring pain, you too, listener at home, can make a simple donation to help Maddie out with her wisdom teeth by liking and subscribing to this podcast or on our YouTube page. This is the Hoop Southbound Show. My name is David. Hey guys, it's Maddie. And she's having a very, very rough day today. But you know, it this is what please we all everybody send out a prayer for Maddie or keep her in your thoughts or uh pray to whatever deity that you believe in and uh you know get, get her some better karma. <laughs> like it's been a rough day for Maddie today. Um <laughs> As you may have heard there in my very, um, I don't know, brief infomercial of whatever those uh, depressing dog and cat videos were back in the uh, back in the early two thousands. I mean, those were terrible. Like, let's be honest. Like, if you were having a rough day and one of those came on, it was just like, there, there, there it goes. That's it. That's that's the the straw that broke the camel's back. It was an emotional heartbreak. It was a, just a train wreck. It's an absolute train wreck. And you're just sitting there crying your eyes out as this beautiful song and these innocent puppies or kittens are oh, just melts your heart in an instant. Well, unlike those dog and cat videos, um, I just want to let everybody know that the show today is brought to you by University Traditions. Need a hat for the gym, game day, golf course, whatever. Um, something that shows off your school pride. University of Tradition has you covered right now, and you can get 15% off your purchase with promo code VSN15. Uh, unfortunately, they're not going to make a donation to Maddie's cause. Uh, very sad, but maybe we can work that out on a later date. All right, so Maddie, I, I know it's been a rough day, but let's talk a little bit of NBA Combine. Uh, this week, the NBA Combine went down in Chicago, and as always, there were guys who were winners, and there were guys who were not winners, uh, is the best way to put that. By the way, Eric Musselman is literally everywhere. Did you notice that he was also at the Chicago at the uh, Combine in Chicago this uh, this week, talking to ESPN while he was there and giving his opinions on some of his uh, players uh, there? But, you know, for the SEC, one of the biggest winners I felt like this week was the guy that you highlighted last week. Jordan Walsh from Arkansas. Maddie, I know you have a draft profile you're working on for Jordan, but I think yeah. where Jordan stood out the most in the combine was the measurements and the drills where he finished top 10 in the mids in the midside uh, shooting drill. He also had a 15 point game in the second five on five game. Uh, I thought from the SEC, he was the best of the week. Your thoughts? Yeah. You know, working on um, kind of the scouting report, if you want to call it for Jordan Walsh uh, going into the draft, I think one of the big question marks um, from his play this season was mainly his shooting ability. And I think he showed a lot um, in the drills and then also in the scrimmages that, 
you know, when he's confident and he's out there, he's got good form and he can he can be a bucket if you need one. Yeah, and when he's on, he's on, and that's what makes him such a great player. Um, but I, I thought he built himself a lot of draft stock and like people people were talking a couple of weeks ago undrafted and probably needs to go back to college. Now mm-hmm. here we are, we're talking second half of the uh, second round or like first round toward the end in the thirties and tw- late twenties is where they're talking about Jordan Walsh coming out. So he, he had a great combine. Let's talk about the other guy from the SEC who I thought hurt himself the most this week. And uh, it wasn't like he actually made the situation worse. It was just that he didn't help himself. It's just, you know, the guy I pointed out to say to watch in the combine, Gigi Jackson, Jackson's not a lotto pick. And he decided to sit out the five on five games I think he made a poor choice uh, or not for not getting or got bad advice from his agent for not doing this. And he, he could have helped himself a ton this week and proven that he was capable uh, as being an unselfish player because he has a reputation of being a ball hog and someone who has a bit of an attitude. Now he's kind of sitting idle and he's doomed to be a late first round pick or early second rounder. Uh, Maddie, agree or disagree on this? Yeah, I agree on that. Um, I really don't know what the play there was for Gigi. I think the big thing, um, you know, after watching a few of the interviews, he was really hinting at the fact that he wanted to be with the Hornets. So, you know, maybe trying to take himself out of the loop and they bring him on their G League squad or as a free agent later on would be my only logical reasoning that he would want to do something like that. Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, there's 29 other teams in the NBA. So, I mean, I I don't see necessarily banking on one of those being a good bet for you, um, mm-hmm. especially on one, a team that more or less is probably going to have some of their issues figured out at the end of the draft because they have a very early pick uh, mm-hmm. to start getting themselves going in the right direction. Don't get me wrong. The Hornets are a long way from being an NBA playoff team, but you know, I, I can't see the a bank on that in the least bit, but like, I, I think he should have at least participated in a five on five uh, yeah. giving himself an opportunity to show some of that skill set and to show that he can play well off the ball. Um, so that's those are just kind of the things I was thinking. And then, and finally, I think the biggest loser overall in this combine was us, the the fans. Uh, once again, the majority of the top talent in the combine did not participate in five on five drills, and some didn't even participate in the drills. We know why. It's advice from their agents, but we as fans want to see the best talent go at it. Yeah. Every time. I mean, you know, it's one of those things like obviously if you're already going to be in one of those top spots and don't have much risk in losing that spot, like you don't want to go out there and maybe have a bad day and hurt your draft stock. But like you said, it was more so for the fan aspect, like we wanted to see what they could do, you know, up against the rest of this cast of people going into the NBA draft this year. Yeah, you definitely want to see how other people are measuring up against this talent that some of them have never played against. Sure, I get it. If you're a lottery pick, yeah, probably save yourself. But there's plenty of guys. There's 16 other picks that are coming out of that first round that could participate in these drills. And like I said, Gigi Jackson is one of those guys who are on the back and didn't even participate this week. Um, But regardless of how we feel as fans about them not playing, the NBA is listening and we are supposedly going to they're they're going to fix this issue uh, for next year's combine. So I I do think that's a bit of good news for us. Uh, Also this week, the NBA lottery took place and we now know who's taking the first 14 picks in the draft. Uh, Maddie, this week, based on the lottery results, I I put a little mock draft together. Uh, Let's go through these real fast and you can tell me where you think I'm right 
and uh, where you think I necessarily went wrong. All right, so with the number one overall pick, I don't think there's much debate about this one. Uh, Victor Victor Wembanyama uh, coming in at the number one pick for the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, obviously, a huge win and an audible heck yes uh, from the uh, San Antonio staff there in Chicago when this was announced. Um, I, I don't think you can go wrong with this. It's Victor coming into another line of San Antonio bigs who have had the opportunity to have the team built around them. Uh, the second pick, I'm looking at Scoot Henderson right now, and I like the combination where Scoot Henderson goes to the Charlotte Hornets uh, as a point guard. Uh, biggest thing is that I'm seeing on this one is that with Scoot, he would pair well with Ball, and in the past we've seen Ball also be paired up in a combination. Um, so I, I really like the fit here for Scoot Henderson. And then third, this is probably the one that starts getting a little controversial. Um, Brandon Miller instead of two. I've seen Brandon Miller move all the way from two to five throughout the uh, course of this week. Um, but I, I'm leaning more toward Portland picking up Brandon Miller um, or the possibility of this pick being traded to someone who really wants Brandon Miller and is willing to make a deal with Portland. Uh, and then after that, the Rockets uh, taking on Man Thompson because they need a small forward and they obviously won't be able to land Brandon Miller if he's already taken. And then Jarese Walker at five. Maddie, any thoughts on the first five? You know, um, I think you hit the nail on the head here. And, I, you know, the only thing I'm kind of questioning is obviously that Brandon Miller pick. We've seen a lot of draft boards move him up to the number two spot after um, you know, the combine this week and some of his interviews and, you know, the fact that some of the things most people were worried about don't seem to be an issue. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Um, but on the other hand, Scoot Henderson is an elite talent and then Charlotte is in desperate that they could use a, a secondary point guard to go out there and uh, give ball a hand. Um, I, I personally still am siding with the Scoot Henderson pick, but I, I don't dismiss that debate. Like 100%, I do not dismiss that debate. It, it's very logical that Charlotte could take that pick, and I think it really hinges on how close Charlotte thinks they are to making the playoffs in the near future. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a coin toss at this point. It could go either way, um, but, you know, I, th I think that's pretty accurate. It's going to be just a maybe two and three swap, if yeah. if anything. For sure. All right. So for these picks six through uh, 10, I'm looking at the Orlando Magic taking Azor Thompson, the other Thompson twin. Uh, and then I've got seven right now for the Indiana Pacers taking Anthony Black. Um, but almost every mock draft that you look at out there has washed the Washington Wizards. I really feel like Anthony Black could go to any of these teams that you see point guard in the critical needs category, too. I, I think that's a real possibility. And based on some of the interviews and things that we do know about Anthony Black, it, it's a real possibility that he could end up with, say, the Jazz or something like that as well. Um, or even the Dallas Mavericks as low as that might be the lowest that he ends up going. Um, Washington overall, I think they're going to take a point guard. I listed Case and Wallace here um, with him being the number three point guard in this draft. And, and then I mentioned Grady Dick and Taylor Hendricks. I've got going to the Dallas Mavericks, but I don't dismiss the possibility that the Mavericks might trade this pick. Yeah, I could see that as well. Um, just because I love it in my heart. I kind of hope Anthony Black goes number eight. Um, Teams up with Danny G over, <laughs> at the, over on the Wizards. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, an, another situation where you can see some movement here. Um, but I, I feel like these are pretty accurate. Yeah, I, like I said, I think I've got the right players in the 6 through 10 range. It's where yeah. they're going is kind of the question um, because there's needs out there. 
and in particularly point guard. So Casey Wallace and Anthony Black makes sense to go through the six through 10 range to me. It's just a question of which team. Um, and then AB a- will likely go first before Casey Wallace. So that's that's partially my thought process. But we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Anthony Black going to the Wizards would be very entertaining for Razorback fans. And I, I don't think that's one they're cheering against. I think the two picks that Razorback fans are probably cheering the most for is either eight to the Wizards or 10 to the Mavericks. Like, I, I think that's the... Uh, I think that's the consensus for Razorback fans is where they want to see uh, Anthony Black get drafted. And Anthony Black even said like he was asked about the Washington Wizards and he said, I think they need a guard. Um, So, you know, interesting, interesting little tidbit there could be really fun. All right, let's go to my 11 through 14 that I've got put together on the mock draft. Uh, Number 11, I have Cam Whitmore. This is probably the lowest anybody will see Cam Whitmore. I'm not a big believer in Cam Whitmore, but, um, you know, I can understand him going higher in this draft, um, maybe even as high as five. Um, you know, that's the general group think out there. And, you know, I, I am totally open to the possibility of being wrong on this Cam Whitmore uh, position. But this is just if I was a GM, I would take Cam Whitmore around here. Um, then I've got number 12 going to Nick Smith Jr., I think Nick Smith Jr. is either going to the Thunder or the Raptors. Uh, If the Raptors are picking at 13, I think that makes sense. The Thunder make a lot of sense to me. Um, They seem to like Arkansas players, and additionally, they also need a shot guard. So I'm really thinking that the Thunder makes sense to me as a potential pick, especially because I'm not sure if the Raptors are going to be picking at 13. And then also the Pelicans make sense as well for me for Nick Smith Jr. Uh, Maddie, any thoughts on my 11 through 14 picks? Obviously, the 14 pick right now to me seems pretty up in the air. I have no idea who's going where on that one, Um, but it could be Nick Smith. I think Nick Smith could be anywhere from the 12 to 14 range. Yeah, I think, you know, like you said with Cam Whitmore, I've seen him um, like six through eight pretty much um, at at some of the boards that I've looked at. Uh, Nick Smith Jr., anywhere from like 11 to 13. I've seen a lot of that. So, I mean – I think you're pretty on point here. I think it would be cool, you know, to have Nick Smith over at OKC, but I have seen a few boards flip uh, him and Keontae George. So it's kind of up in the air just to, as who they're going to choose. Yeah. I feel like um, Keontae George is one of those players who are really in question. Um, you know, a lot of people, he's probably like the most controversial and I don't mean controversial as a person, like controversial where someone's picking him. Um, yeah. I I've seen him much lower in the first round. I've seen people like shove him up to 11, 10. Um, so it, it's pretty wild. Um, that there's no real consensus on him, but you know, it, it is what it is and we'll see where everything uh, goes. Also, if you want more on the lotto picks, I, I broke them down uh, earlier the last, last week in a video on our YouTube channel. We're also dropping draft profiles for our SEC players in the uh, in, who are in the NBA draft there as well. That's on the Hoop Southbound YouTube channel. We've got Brandon Miller, Anthony Black, and then additionally, Nick Smith Jr. and Casey Wallace are going to be dropping later this week. Uh, so yeah, definitely go check those out on our YouTube, cha- uh, YouTube channel. Uh, as we talked about a few weeks ago, once the combine is over, we're going to start seeing players officially declaring that they're either going into the draft or they're returning to school. We're right on cue as these players have made the announcement. Uh, players that are headed back. Cholu Smith to Mississippi State. Matt Morrell headed back to Ole Miss. Um, Oliveira has not said where he's going yet. Um, he said that he was transferring out of Tennessee, but he has met with schools at this time, and he has not officially said anything about him leaving the draft or not, but all signs indicate that that's about to happen. And then Euros from Tennessee is the only player so far who's announced that he's going pro. 
Uh, several players still out there mentioned like Debo Davis, Jordan Walsh, um, you know, several names, uh, Kobe Brown, you know, a lot of names out there that still have not announced some coming back. Some are not. Um, I would think that Kobe Brown and Jordan Walsh are going to be staying to get drafted, but you know, guys like Debo Davis, I think going to be headed back. Triple J I think is going to be headed back as well. Maddie, are there any names that surprised you uh, on this list about going pro or uh, headed back to school? Um, nothing too crazy. I, I'm a little surprised we haven't seen Debo make a decision yet. You know, he rode really hard for Arkansas in the last few interviews, um, after the NCAA tournament. So i you know, kind of waiting on a big announcement from him and his, uh, comeback tour, if you want to call it that. Fair enough. Day. Um, but other than that, uh, nothing too crazy. A few of the Alabama players that we haven't heard much about, um, when it comes to draft stock, you know, looking at Mark Sears uh, as the main one, just kind of wondering where their head's at right now and how long they're going to try and hang on to that eligibility. Yeah, it's a big question. Um, I don't know why a lot of players are hanging on, and a lot of them are probably debating right now if the G League's the best move for them going forward uh, regarding a pro career. And that might be the conversation they're having. A couple of guys might try out to do some workouts, but – um, portal closing or the last day to withdraw your name from the draft is coming up on May 31st. So we're going to have to see some decisions here pretty quick. And coaches are going to want to see these decisions too, because they got rosters to fill out. Um, so speaking of coming up next, what if I told you there's only 15 roster slots still available in the entire SEC? Teams are locking down their rosters with the portal close. We'll bring you the latest commits and the latest recruiting new- recruiting news when we get back after the break. All right, so I'm a baseball guy, and my goal is to actually see a game in every Major League Baseball stadium. Now, I'm more than a third of the way there, and I never buy from the team's websites. SeatGeek is my first stop whenever I'm heading to a new city for a ball game. Now, obviously, they've got some other sports, as well as concert tickets, Broadway, comedy, I mean, you name it. And now, for VSN listeners, they're actually offering you 20 bucks off your first ticket purchase. So just use the code VSN, that stands for Variety Sports Network. So that's VSN to save 20 bucks. So put that to use for some food or for some drinks at whatever event you are wanting to attend. Again, that code is VSN to save 20 bucks on your first SeatGeek purchase. And as always, please go out and support our sponsors. We like money. I like my cable paid everything else so I can watch basketball and do this podcast. All right. This week we found out in the transfer portal that Caleb love doesn't meet the academic requirements to go to school in Michigan. So he's back in the transfer portal now, uh, right now on three has Caleb love favored for Mizzou. Maddie, will Caleb love be a tiger next year? Mizzou fans weren't too happy with him when he, uh, picked Michigan earlier during this uh, portal season. You know, not to trash on our Mizzou fans that listen to this podcast, but I feel like once they get some talent on their roster, they aren't going to be mad that he picked somewhere else and then reverted. Like, yes, you are the second option, but yes, he's going to get you points on the board. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly <laughs> it. You know, once somebody gets you points on the board, are you going to be really complaining anymore? I think it'll be long gone and forgotten if he yeah. were to pick going to Missouri. Um you know, especially when you're talking about like a player who can get you several points on the board, 
um, a player you probably need, like looking at your roster coming in the next season. Um, or Kobe Brown goes to the draft. Yeah, especially if Kobe Brown goes in the draft, like 100%, you're not going to turn down a guy like Caleb Love. Uh, All will be forgotten, I feel like, um, come about December when he puts up like 25 points in a game against somebody. So, you know. Well, all, all, all's well that ends well. So I'm definitely with you on that. I think Mizzou fans will be fine with that. The question is, will Caleb Love choose Missouri, or do you think other names are going to kind of approach him now that we know that things are getting a little bit rough in the transfer portal? Like, I'm thinking Kentucky, who we're going to talk about here in a second. I could see that. I could see Kentucky. I could see uh, Chris Beard reaching out. Chris Beard would make sense. Um, I don't know. I could see a couple different plays. Um you know, depending on who else decides to stay from Tennessee, you could see maybe, maybe them reach out. I don't know. Yeah, I, I do think that there's several blue blood programs out there that are trying to fill out rosters. And I think a movement on Caleb Love is possible. Um, but right now, uh, it seems that Mizzou's the front runner, but we'll definitely see how that goes. Um, between now and then, so it, it's very, it's very likely we could see some new names that are very different from the first time that we uh, saw Caleb Love in the transfer portal during this season. All right. So additionally, I love a good uh, villain story. Oh, he's a hundred percent going to be a villain story. Yeah. Let's see him go to Duke. No, that would be great. Send the kid to Duke. If they got a roster. Never hear the end of it. from fans. You know, I was listening to Iron college basketball this week and, um, or it was a couple of weeks ago, actually. And they were talking about like, is the Duke villain thing still, still around? And I, I would say, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm hundred percent a Duke hater. Like, you know, it's less now that coach K is not there. And it's not like any shot against coach K. Coach K is a great basketball coach. I hate Duke. Cause I hate Duke. I don't hate Duke for a reason. I just hate Duke um, more than anything else. But, you know, I, I still feel like they're the villains of college basketball. So like, I, I don't think that's changed. Yeah, I don't think so, but you know, just him coming from UNC, if he went to Duke, like oh. headline for so long, and it would be so fun to watch. Oh, it'd be hilarious. Oh, you most hated man in North Carolina history right there. Well, perfect villain story, perfect Duke story at that uh <laughs> at most. Um, yeah, it would be super entertaining uh if the uh if if the villain shall reign there, but like I don't think that's on the table. I don't think that's a possibility. But there's some other blue bloods and those upper level echelon programs are out there. Like you know, we may see Indiana throw their name out there. You know, like there's some other teams out there that may throw their name out into this list, and I, I think it's entirely possible. Um, we're kind of seeing that right now with uh, Cam Spencer. Um, so you know, it, it's it's a definitely a possibility because there's teams out there who you would expect to spend a lot on NIL and uh, Caleb Love is worth the money in a lot of people's minds. So it, it's definitely possible, but right now it seems that Mizzou is the front runner. All right. Yep. So also in the transfer portal, uh, Vin Allen Lublin uh, from Notre Dame, the number 53 transfer according to on three. And I'm sorry if I butchered this name, I didn't watch a lot of South Dakota basketball this season, um, but Tazos Kamatiros. Uh, from South Dakota, who is outside of the top 300, according to On3, have all committed to the Vanderbilt Commodores. Uh, so, you know, Jerry Stackhouse finally getting a little bit of movement there in Vandy that he desperately, desperately needed. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, you mentioned out of the top 300. Jerry Stackhouse knows what he's doing with his X's and O's down there. He's going to find a a play for that man. Um, 
to, to flourish in the program. And I think it'll be interesting to see uh, what he does for him this year. He's a big, big player. They're losing Liam Robbins. Um, it makes sense to me that they need a replacement piece. And that's something they could definitely do use, um, especially because like, it kind of surprised me. Darian Ford committed to Arkansas state. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, from my understanding, he had a pretty good visit to Vanderbilt. So I'm surprised he didn't go to Vandy. Um, it, it definitely been an opportunity. So I'm still playing SEC basketball. I'm close to home in Arkansas and Nashville. Like I, I thought Vandy made sense to me, but apparently Arkansas state um, turned out to be the better situation for Darian. Um, I don't know the full extent of that story, but it was very surprising to me not that he did not in Vanderbilt, but Jerry Stackhouse grabbing some good players here. Um, it looks to be a good situation for Jerry Stackhouse to pull some players in. All right. So obviously I mentioned Kentucky earlier. Um, they're one team that has definitely been struggling in the portal this season so far. Now I didn't expect a ton of movement from the Wildcats to begin with, but Cal might find himself in a rough spot with the uh, players that he has right now. And so many of them looking at heading to the NBA, Kentucky has lost Wheeler, Frederick, Ware, and Collins all to the portal. And then Reeves, Toppin, and Shebway and Livingston are all testing the NBA waters right now. We don't know who's coming back to school. We don't know exactly what's up. Cal came out and said this. I believe we'll have the guys coming back that need to come back, and we'll go from there. The best teams I've had here were a combination of young kids and veterans. This team, in my mind, should have both. As it stands right now, Calipari has just seven scholarship players to work with. Um, with less than two months from UK being scheduled to represent the United States at the uh, FIBA FIBA Global Jam in July. Uh, Kentucky is currently only returning two players who are going to be sophomores who combined just for an average of 4.8 points a game and 4.5 rebounds uh, in their freshman year. Maddie, is it time to hit the panic button if you're Cal? So, David, I don't really know. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet. Um, you know, a few more weeks um, until the draft, although, like you said, next week we are nearing end, end of time to pull out. I mean, if we're going to be honest, I really think the only huge threat here that's not going to have talent covering is Oscar Sheboy. And if we're going to be honest, he was kind of hit or miss last year, you know, depending on the game. Second half of the season, he kind of got his swag back. First half, I mean, if he plays like that next year, it's I, not going to make much of a difference. But I, also, I no, think his draft stock only keeps going down if he stays in college any longer. Yeah, because, like, I think – just I know this might be controversial to some Kentucky fans. I've I've seen it both ways. Is that they some a lot of Kentucky fans also agree with me. I I tend to think that Kentucky's offense is kind of uh, not static. I guess uh, static might be the right word. Uh, stationary doesn't move much. Um, you know when she weighs on the floor. So it's kind of a confusing proposition. Is this losing she weigh actually hurt you? You may not have the big you want, but you can figure that out in the transfer portal. There's still players out there. Uh, then additionally, I, I think the other side of this whole conversation, um, yeah, sure, there's only seven scholarship players on the roster right now for Kentucky. You're going to get guys back. Uh, yeah. You're, you're going to get guys back. It, it, you just don't know who's going back. You don't under, may not know that situation, but you're going to get guys back. And then even if you don't get Oscar Sheway back, like I said, you can go to the portal and find somebody. And then the reason I don't think you have a lot of replacement pieces right now is because of the way the construction of the roster is. When you get these veterans back and then you have all these superstar talented players that are coming in to play their freshman year in Kentucky, 
who's going to go to a school where you can't start in the transfer portal? Like we're filling bench spots. If you're Cal really, we are. Um, And so you're only looking for about three to five players who can play limited minutes or be on the bench um, for emergency situations. And then you can just open the door for some walk-ons, you know, guys who are never going to see floor time, um, guys who are going to see floor time in like maybe when you're up 30 with, up with two minutes left those guys are the maybe the walk-ons that you're adding to the team um epa boosters yeah i'd go back like if i'm cal like what i'm doing is i'm going through the roster and i'm gonna go find you know the players that i know are more than likely going to stay in the nba draft and going to find the best replacement i can find right now in the transfer portal yeah i missed on hunter dickinson but maybe i can go get somebody else right now and fix this uh fix this problem and then after that <coughs> I'm going old school and I'm going back to the foundation of Kentucky basketball. And I'm going to these gyms. I'm going to these practices all around the state of Kentucky. And I'm going to go find some quality walk-ons that I want as preferred walk-ons who are from the state of Kentucky. And I've always wanted to be a Kentucky wildcat. And they're going to be my guys who are going to help me out in practice and get those two minutes when we're up by 30 against, um, I don't know, Coppin state. Um, So, you know, it, that, that would be my move if I'm Cal. Um, And then, because I got enough talent, to run a team. What I, what I need now is bench players and walk-ons um, and more than anything else. So like I said, talent is going to come back. It's not necessarily the best move for all these players to go to the G league. So guys are going to come. You just yeah. got to go figure out what those roster gaps are. And then you're going to be relying on some five-star freshmen next year. That's, that's probably the situation. We saw how that worked out for Arkansas, but we also saw Arkansas had a lot of injuries uh, last year. And, you know, Cal's really good at developing this freshman. I mean, we saw Anthony Davis. We saw a lot of these guys in the past who have been absolutely great as freshmen, you know, for the one and done Cal system. Um, So it'll be interesting to see um, any other thoughts that you have on this Cal situation on the roster. Not much on the roster. Um, Mainly, you know, going back to Sheboy, I really think, like you said, I don't think he's going to improve his draft stock if he goes back to Kentucky. So I think that's the main person Cal is going to be looking to replace. Um, you know, big man balls kind of gone away. Uh, the older you get, worse those knees get. Being seven foot doesn't help those <laughs> knees. <laughs> I was about to say, when you're a big man, makes it even worse. So, you know, I think we do see Sheboy go to the draft and, you know, Cal's going to have to fill that spot. I think we see, you know, at least one guard or wing position come back. So, like you said, three, four spots, mainly bench players. I don't think Cal has anything to worry about. Yeah, I, I think we can definitely get that worked out for sure if you're Cal. I'm, this to me does not feel like a panic situation. I think it's a bit of an overreaction from Kentucky fans. Like I said, I didn't expect a lot of portal movement. I think they did, but I, I did not with the way that this roster was constructed. But, you know, they'll figure it out. Um, Cal's got time. There's players out there. And like I said, he's looking for role players, I think, more than anything else. And it's just going to be a young team next year. But I think that overall was Cal's plan, was to have a young team with veteran leadership inserted because there's going to be guys coming back. All right, let's stay on Kentucky real fast. Um, Also on the Kentucky front and some good news for Big Blue Nation, Kentucky has hired John Welch as an assistant coach. Welch has been involved in every level of basketball and has been an important part of the development of NBA careers for guys like Carmelo Anthony, um, Paul Gasol, DeMarcus Cousins, Blake Griffin, and Brock Lopez, or Brooke Lopez. 
Uh, Welch has served as an assistant coach in the NBA, NBA for nearly 20 years and has spent nearly almost 10 years on a collegiate staff prior to moving into the profession. He's worked under coaches such as Doc Rivers, George Carl, Jason Kidd, and Hubie Brown. He will be tasked as serving as a vital part of Cal's offensive strategy while being a primary contributor to UK's scouting and game planning. Furthermore, Welch will be a part of the development and implementation of all individual on-court players and training. Uh, Maddie, I love this hire, um, and here's why. NBA, 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 NBA. Um, for the long-term productivity of Kentucky, we talked about it, I think, maybe even a week ago. I know I talked it on Caleb's show this week when um, I was a guest host on his show this week. NBA, when you're an NBA level freshman coming out of high school or you're a transfer player who wants goals to get into the NBA where do you want to go play do you want to go play for coaches who are going to help you get in the NBA uh, and I think John Walsh is a great addition for Cal staff on two fronts he's got that NBA experience uh, he's coached some of the best players out there in basketball um, he's coached for great coaches out there in the uh, in the NBA and he's he's done fantastic work on that front. Um, so he's definitely a player or a coach that I, if I was a player, I would be wanting to go work with 100 percent. And then Cal's got that NBA experience to show me how to get into the league. He's got the resume to show me that he knows how to get players into the league. Um, so I, I really like this in an era, era where Kentucky might be struggling on the front with NIL and getting players in there. At least you have this resume point to pull some players additionally to your squad and your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you look at Welch and you look at his uh, kind of career path, he is fantastic developmentally. And I think that's going to transfer well into Kentucky when you have these players that, you know, come in as freshmen that are expecting to be one and done, that that talent or maturity level may not be there. And I think he's going to be a great guy to help them kind of get to that next step, transition well into college and be ready for that transition from college to NBA. Absolutely. And then, like I said, turn back to I forgot what month it was, but it was sometime at the early portion of conference play um, when we first started the YouTube channel this last season. Um, part of the problem was is that Cal needed help on the offensive strategy portion of it. And here's John Walsh, uh, who's going to be part of that offensive game planning now. So I, I'm really excited for what Cal's got in John Welch bringing to this program. So I, I think it's a really good move for Kentucky, uh, especially in a season where, you know, the, the seat's not hot on Cal because it's just never going to be really hot on Cal, but it, it seems to be a do or die season for Cal. Um, and to find some success after how many disappointing seasons they've had in a row now, they've had three disappointing seasons by Kentucky standards the last three years. And now you're getting a guy who's really going to help you out. And I, I think it's a, a really good situation. Yep. Big plus for Kentucky. Um, big get for them. I think it'll be interesting to see how he's going to help all those five stars that are coming in. And then, you know, some of those that may not make it in the draft this year and how they develop and do in next year's draft stock. 100%. All right, let's turn to recruiting real fast. Um, we got, I'm going to try to go through these headlines as fast as possible. Um, but these are things that are worth noting. Uh, Three-star combo guard Andre Mills has committed to Texas A&M. This is all class of 2024, unless I otherwise specify. Uh, Arkansas, Alabama, and Kentucky have all made the top six for the number one prospect in the 2024 class in the country, Trey Jackson. Uh, he released his list of his cuts this week. Uh, Four-star combo guard Isaiah Seeley out of Springdale, Arkansas, has received an offer for Arkansas, but that's class of 2025. 
uh, four-star small forward in Arkansas, uh, Arkansas and Auburn target. And Nor Boating uh, has been invited to play in the Adidas Euro camp in Italy. Uh, Jaron Stevenson is expected to announce his commitment on June 9th. Alabama and Mizzou are both in the conversation for the 2024 five-star power forward. And then finally, no one knows what the deal is with Ron Holland. Um, but Kent Smith from Sports Illustrated wrote in an article that Texas holding Holland hostage means win for the Razorbacks either way. Um, short side, and this is, as he says, short-sighted Longhorn administration uh, is doing long-term damage to, to the basketball program. Texas is, of course, a massive recruiting ground uh, for the Razorbacks. Maddie, your thoughts real fast on any of those headlines. I know hog fans want to talk about Ron Holland. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think with the Ron Holland situation, it just looks terrible on Texas. Like you don't want to be a player, you know, trying to make a decision about what you're going to do with your life. Um, especially, you know, for the top recruit in the United States, it's just one of those situations. Like you're going to look at that school differently because like, well, if I change my mind, they're going to make me either stay and I'm, not going to want to play for them or they're going to make it as miserable as possible to get out. <laughs> I mean, that's the way it's going right now. Um, listen, this is the most Texas headline I've ever heard in my life. Uh, this is the most Texas doing Texas stuff I've ever heard. Um, I, I can't sum up Texas in a better sentence um, because like they love to hurt themselves. They love to do stupid things. Um, and this is, this is exactly right on that front. Um, this is my last season. I get the bad mouth Texas. So I'm just going to let it out here for a second because like soon enough, their fans will be listening to this show and then they're all going to find out how much I dislike Texas. But um, yeah, no, a hundred percent. I just can't in a nutshell, think of a different way to describe Texas. Um, you know, you got a player who does not want to play for you. He wants to go somewhere else, a school that you constantly claim is not your rival, even though you have a massive history with them about it. And uh, you're holding that player potentially hostage because you know it's between that school and the G League for him. Uh, and you know that things are not good right now. And Ron Holland more than likely does not want to be under there uh, in Texas for Rodney Terry with a coach who does not have a resume that says you get players to the NBA where they want to go. I committed to Chris Beard. I want to go somewhere else now, maybe to a coach who can help me get there. Um, so it, 100% this is Texas in a nutshell. When I think Texas, this is this is the perfect headline to sum up Texas in my mind. So um, as always, um, this is why the shorthorns disappoint everyone. So um, this is that's my spiel on Texas on this one. <laughs> no, I think you should keep going. I should just keep going, just no. bad-mouthing Texas. Just keep bad-mouthing Texas. You know, I, I vomit in my mouth because I'm a big fan of the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I listen to it on a weekly basis. But I want to vomit in my mouth every time Matt Norlander says that Texas is a better program than Arkansas at basketball. I'm sorry, the school that has less Final Fours, less Elite Eights, less everything, no national championships, and uh, I can keep going down the list um, just because they got a little bit more money. <laughs> I was about to say because they have the fancy new Moody Center. Yeah, they have the fancy new Moody Center, and they had Chris Beard for six weeks. Um, you know, so, oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, no, it's the most Texas thing I could possibly imagine. All right, when we come back, our state-by-state -state Who's the Best project continues, and we will take a look at the state of Florida. You know, when we do the state-by-state uh, -state project in Texas, if Texas isn't in the top five, everyone's going to be calling bias on me after that. We're coming back. We're talking about Florida. It's historic basketball after the break. 
Let's be honest, you're here because you love sports. We love sports too. And our friends over at Row One Brand love sports as much as we do. Row One Brand sells sports wall art, sports gift watches, and vintage apparel with ornamental designs created from real game ticket stubs and vintage sports memorabilia in their collection. If you want some vintage Golden State Warriors memorabilia, they have that too. It's a sports collector's dream website for anything sports related. Go over to one, rowonebrand.com to check out their great inventory. And when you use the promo code VSB15, you'll get 15% off any item on the whole site. That's code VSB15 for 15% off any item on the site. So click on the link below and go check them out. Row Run Brands, America's best vintage sports art, sports gifts. All right, Maddie, let's go through these top five schools in Florida. All right, so when I was doing the research project this week, um, my biggest note on Florida is while you would expect a lot of background with all these schools that they have in Florida, you would expect probably some crazier teams to pop up in the course of things. And you would expect maybe um, a long extended history for a lot of these teams. The truth is, is that I think with the sun, and this is my theory, I haven't researched it enough, but I think with the Sunbelt migration into Florida, um, a lot of these schools are a lot younger than what you would think they are. Like, you know, with the population boom in Florida, with the invention of the air conditioner, God bless it, um, especially because they we're coming up in that time of year here in Arkansas. Um, you know, it's a lot of these play, schools didn't have the chance to grow and they're very young schools in comparison. So that was one of the biggest learning points to me. And so Florida basketball is probably not what you would expect. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, getting into this, I figured Florida would be one of the bigger ones that's, you know, you wouldn't expect it right off the bat. Um, but then you kind of look into it. I feel like there's schools everywhere that could have a long history. Yeah, you, you would think that. But like just in the case, you know, like I said, with the population boom in Florida, there's a lot of young schools in Florida. Um, so it just it's just a weird expectation. All right. So you my first... anybody in those uh, retirement homes the like i don't think a lot of people i'm about to say i don't think a lot of people in nursing homes and those retirement communities out there in florida um have exactly decided that they're going to go uh hoop it up a little bit um jerry's not lacing up so what you're telling me (laughs) (laughs) nope i don't think he is all right let's uh i'm going to mention my first honorable mention here which goes to bury you from florida um and this is why I'm putting Barry U on the honorable mention list. They have the best website I have ever seen for finding all the data that I've been like using for this list. They just have it listed. And then if it's not on that page, they send you to another one and they got the link right there to click on and every, it was great. I was disappointed. They did not end up in the top five. Um, I was like, I would love to talk about this school because they have the best record book I've ever seen on their website. Um, long shot best ever um shout out to bury you uh i believe they're the parrots or something like that the parrots are the pirates or the buccaneers i don't recall but like shout out to bury you yeah they got a parrot for a mascot um or in their logo so i'm digging it um so yeah shout out to bury you uh best best record book i've dealt with so far in this entire research project um so yeah they deserve that honorable mention everybody go if you work for a website for like your university go check out their uh their website on how they do their history book almanac and a record book and stuff perfect love it it's brilliant take note all right let's start with the number five team on this list and that is the miami hurricanes all right so miami 
is currently presenting themselves in a golden age of basketball right now. Um, this is the best the Miami program has probably ever been. And they, they've shot themselves up uh, into the top five. They had their first final four this season. Um, they've had over a thousand wins at a 55, 57% win percentage. And then historically they've had 15 NBA players. Um, and then they're one of the few schools out there because you forget they were in the big East once upon a time. Um, they have conference titles in two P seven conferences, which we're going to get in that debate at the beginning of the season. If there is, if it is P seven anymore, or if it's just P six with, uh, the addition with the, uh, new big 12, but Point is, they've got out of the major conferences, two conference titles in two different conferences. Um, and that was enough to give the Hurricanes a grand score of 164.77. Um, pretty interesting for Miami there. Yeah, um, honestly, I had one of them as my picks to being top five, mainly because, uh, you know, with their recent history, I feel like you see their name quite a bit um, going up the boards every season. Obviously, uh, their final four this year helped a lot, but I feel like there's somebody's name that you always hear. Like you may not see it um, in the bracket, but they're usually in the mix at some point or another. Yeah, 100%. Like the last couple of years have been fantastic for the uh, Miami basketball program. And that's what it came back. Seems to be the theme with Florida is that recent history seems to be very powerful in Florida um, because these teams are not as old as you'd think they are. Um, with in comparison to other schools. All right, so our number four school goes to Nova Southeastern. Um, this may be ringing a bell, uh, this Division II school, to a lot of people who are sitting on the pod, uh, uh, listening to the podcast regularly. Uh, Sunahara, who just transferred to Georgia, was part of this team last year for Nova, South, uh, Nova Southeastern. And they are the current D2 national champions. Um, and then currently under their current head coach, uh, who is by the name of Jim Crutchfield. Uh, he has an 86% win percentage at Nova Southeastern. Uh, it's it's fantastic. They've had two undefeated seasons in conference. Uh, they are one of the youngest programs to win a national championship in the country, and they have an undefeated season to their credit. Um, that gave them a grand total of 169.16 for the Nova Southeastern Sharks. Maddie, thoughts on the Sharks? I mean, it sounds like they need to start beefing up their schedule and maybe see move more <laughs> some, yeah, uh, see some maybe non-conference games with some bigger schools, <laughs> something like that. Something um, like that. I don't know. I, I thought it was I thought it was impressive. Um, they've had a they've had a pretty rough patch of history. They actually have all time uh, a below fifty percent win percentage. Um, but they've accelerated under uh, under Crutchfield. Uh, and it's it's been really good for Nova Southeastern. It's a it's a move that you know they're really happy with. I can guarantee you, uh, for Nova Southeastern. So, um, so I, based on that, do you think that's a name we may see um, in the future? Possibly, coach talks moving up a level to D one. Uh, possibly, maybe uh, someday we might hear that. We you know we, it would be very interesting. Uh, I know the Atlantic Sun is consistently a conference that seems to be looking for new teams. And I think they're reworking some stuff for their football um, with schools like UCA and some others. Um, I'm not sure. Not, and, you know, like they're, they're one of those conferences that are in that region. The SOCON might look to expand and that would make sense for them. Um, it's pretty close to that South Carolina and, uh, you know, North Carolina region for them. So, you know, it, it would make sense um, for maybe one of those teams 
or one of those conferences that are over there in that southeastern corner to make an addition. Um, but we'll have to see, you know, it's it's a large state. So if they can grow their fan base, um, it, it would be a really good situation, though. So it's a possibility. Um, we saw Bellerman move up um, relatively quickly after winning a D2 national championship. Um, you know, hey, uh, if, if Coach Zane Gibson's listening right now, maybe he wants to schedule a basketball game at some point against Nova Southeastern. That would be that would be fun and get the high profile D2 game going there in Fort Smith. Um, that would that would be a ton of fun. So, you know, that'd, that'd be really good. Um, all right. Let's move on to our number three school. So it was really tight between uh, this school and Nova Southeastern. It was really, really tight. Um, I gave the Sharks more points in their weighted category, whereas Embry, um, Embry Riddle is our number three school. Um, the Eagles, uh, they have one national title to their credit. One of the best win percentage we've seen since we started the project at 69% all time. They have 20 combined conference titles, and they're a very, very small school, a very small school. And it's very impressive that they have a national title. It was good enough to give them a score of 170.62. And also, Maddie, interesting fact about Embry Riddle, that is a school that specializes in making pilots um, and, you know, not the traditional school that you would think when it comes to Division II basketball. <laughs> yep. Um, I actually looked into into Embry-Riddle a little bit when I was in high school, um, wanted to be a pilot, but did not. So D- did not choose to go to Embry-Riddle. Well, you was about the only reason I, I knew what Embry-Riddle was. <laughs> All right. So let's go to our uh, number two team. And this is the first time that we've had a school jump two national champions um, in the top five to end up higher than them. And that is the Florida State Seminoles. They do not have a national championship, uh, but they were the runner up in 1972. Uh, they have over 58% win percentage all time and a grand total of 51 all time NBA basketball players. Huge number of alumni going to the league for the uh, Seminoles. Uh, some of their X factors that I included on here is that they have conference titles in four different conferences. That's crazy how many times Florida State has jumped conferences and gone somewhere else. Yeah, four different conferences. It's wild. And then they have an over 50% win percentage all time against their rival schools. Um, and they're one of the rival schools, I suspect, is a lot of people are waiting for to come up on this list. Uh, but they ended up with the Seminoles with a score of 249.68 or weighted total of 30, uh, given that grand total. Um, Maddie, thoughts on the Seminoles? Of course, it's a school that we see regularly in the NCAA tournament, uh, maybe not here in the immediate recent, but uh, over the last couple of years, you know, Florida State's been out there a lot and we know their name. Yeah, this one kind of shocked me. Um, you know, I figured if they were going to be in, they would be maybe like four or five spot. Um, it it was just one of those schools, you know, first thing that comes to my mind is football for them. Uh, you know, may have been throwback to uh, Jameis Winston, but I, I was surprised uh, with their their basketball program. I, I traditionally think Florida State as a, as a football school as well. Um, but you know, they, they've been decent at basketball. Um, so it, it's been impressive. So yeah, the big three in Florida have all made the uh, top five, uh, Miami, Florida state, and our number one school, the Florida Gators, um, back-to-back national champions at one point over 56% win percentage all time, 40 all-time NDA players. They are the oldest D one program in the state of Florida. Um, and of course, as you may know, they have a very, very famous coach who's probably considered in the top 15 all time in college basketball in the great Billy Donovan, uh, who has coaching connections across the NBA. Interesting for Florida. Um, this program had very, very little support. They didn't even have a modern arena 
until the 80s. Uh, and they've had little support for nearly the first 60 years of their program. Um, you know, they just there was no investment. A lot of people think that Florida was always an all time great at football and basketball. The truth is, is that football and basketball actually didn't start really developing in their athletic department until some years later. Um, but yeah, Florida, um, you know, it's kind of more recent thing, but like they are sitting with a grand total of four hundred and eighty five point zero two on our score cell here for the Florida Gators. Um, impressive school, great history. And so far that's our second highest score that we've had on the list. And I think I already know who number one is. I think most people would guess who our number one team is going to be um, when we get done with this project going across all the SEC states uh, for who the number one project is. But yeah, I was unsure how close they would be to Arkansas. They were definitely within a hundred. Um, I had no idea if Florida would pass Arkansas or not when I was doing the math. Um, yeah, uh, kind of a no-brainer for me. I assumed that uh, Florida would be number one in the state of Florida, just given, like you said, recent history. We got back-to-back -back national champions in the 2000s, um, several NBA players, and, you know, just overall fantastic program that continues to build. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, and then, you know, I, I grew up in probably the golden Billy Donovan era, you know, mm -hmm. watching Joe Kim Noah and all those guys, uh, great basketball talents through that, that entire age of basketball for the Billy Donovan years when Don Billy Donovan was coming up, place, facing coach Nolan Richardson, always great games. Um, you know, it, it's always been a really good team. Billy Donovan also had that great rivalry with Kentucky several years. He, he's really the face to me of Florida basketball uh, when you think about their history. Um, but yeah, when you did the map, when I see court that's named after Billy Donovan, do what? isn't it? Isn't there yeah. court named after Billy Donovan? Okay, I do believe so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the only thing that I think Arkansas ended up when I looked at the math and broke it down, um, is because we do favor March uh, on our on our um scale here, and because Florida had that little support throughout the years, um, they did not have that much deep history when it came through the course of March Madness. Um, so they were much lower in that department than you'd expect, even with the two national championships. Um, there was this point gap that was made up with Arkansas reoccurring in the Sweet 16 four more times or the Elite Eight three more times, you know, or something like that. Um, those are rounded numbers. I'm not, I'm just talking off the top of my head, but like, that's kind of what it is in comparison is that like Arkansas with one national championship, Florida with two, but Arkansas has a much deeper, and I think that's how Arkansas ultimately overtook it. I was thinking it was going to come down to NBA players. They were close enough to where that almost didn't make a factor. Um, so, like, I think if Florida had more NBA players, it would have expanded their score out, and they probably could have taken that number one. But it was really close. Uh, it was it was closer than what I thought, and I think our, just, our system favors March a little bit more than yeah. uh, people might think. To what, to what you would expect, um, the way we hype up March Madness, I feel like. What are we playing for? We're playing for March. And that that's why I favored March when I was putting the scale together. Um, you know, I, I don't know how else you, you know, factor that in, you know, so like that was my thought. Maybe maybe some point total adjustments when I finally do the the grand, put all this stuff together uh, as a final project someday um, when I put the book together. But we'll we'll see how that goes um, down the road. All right. Uh, before we go, of course, one player uh, today, um, yesterday. If you're listening to the show on YouTube on Tuesday, um, mentioned that he is retiring from professional basketball today. And he is a player that I definitely want to give a little bit of attention to here in the last couple of minutes of the show. And that is, of course, the great Carmelo Anthony. Maddie, you know, we, we saw the news. Um, Carmelo 
in college, won a national championship at Syracuse. Um, one of the all-time greats, played for the Knicks, played for the Nuggets, um, kicked butt when it came to international basketball in the Olympics. Um, you know, Carmelo Anthony, a great prestigious career, may have his number retired somewhere, um, you know, either in Denver or in New York. Maddie, your thoughts on Carmelo Anthony and his retirement? Oh, I think we definitely see his number retired. Uh, you know, growing up, I was a big Allen Iverson fan, so it was, you know, they always pitted them against each other. We got Iverson versus Mello. Um, big, uh, you know, big guy for the game of basketball. Um, yeah. You know, got a lot of people on board to, you know, to to watch the game. And just honestly, it, I'm going to miss him. I'm kind of surprised he's not going with Dwight Howard over to Taiwan. Is that where he's at? I think so. Somewhere like that. Somewhere in Asia. But yeah, I think uh, that'd be fun. I think he's trying to get LeBron over there too. So maybe we see a power team with Dwight Howard, LeBron James, and Carmelo Anthony. They just, you know, live it up for all the fans over there in Taiwan uh, exactly. for their last glory run. Up. Yeah, we'll we'll see. But, you know, um, yeah, I was, I was kind of like when seeing this news, you know, um, Carmelo Anthony was a big part of my childhood growing up when he was playing in college in the early days of his NBA career. Um, and that was back when I was very much into NBA basketball. Um, you know, so Carmelo Anthony has, uh, you know, a great history with the game. He's, you know, I, how many players have you also, you know, I, I grew up playing video games as a kid, you know, as a lot of people my age and all of Gen X do, or Gen Z does now. Um, you know, with with Carmelo Anthony, how many players have been on the cover of both uh, March Madness and uh, NBA Live? You know, like he was on the cover for both at one point. Um, I, and honestly, the game, I think it was March Madness 2004. Uh, with uh, Carmelo Anthony on the cover for that one, you know, he was probably that was one of the best March Madness games that EA Sports ever made. So, you know, that was that was a ton of fun back in the day. Um, but, you know, I, I think we were all accustomed to, you know, seeing Carmelo Anthony grow up if you're a child of the 2000s. Yeah, I mean, not shocking that, you know, his time has come for retirement, but it'd be sad to see him go just a legacy leaving the NBA. Um, so. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a legacy and yeah. uh, definitely someone that we're all going to miss. Um, but, you know, he's he's a face in basketball and uh, he's not going to be forgotten in an instant. So, um, you know, it'll it'll be definitely interesting to see who retires his number first. Um, you know, he also wears the same number as uh, Jochich, um, which, by the way, the NBA finals are tonight um, as we're watching. So not the finals, um, the conference finals are tonight. And uh, I'm definitely going to be checking out to see the Nuggets and the Lakers here uh, when we get done recording. Uh, see how that turned out. Um, of course, our listeners who are on Tuesday morning on the YouTube channel already know how that turned out. And, uh, you know, did they get the sweep? I wish you guys can come back in time and tell me so I know who to put money on tonight. Um, But, you know, I'll, I'll bet the house, guys, if you can figure out how to do time travel that way. Um, But, you know, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, no. So I'll be interested to see that. And then, of course, like if you are a Tuesday fan, you're going to be listening, watching the uh, conference finals between the uh, Celtics and the Heat. Um, So Especially we might have some Florida fans who are listening for the history portion of that, you know, might be some Heat fans. Yeah, um, I don't know on that one. I think, I hope the Lakers at least take one game. I don't want them to get swept. Yeah, I, I, I feel you. I, I, I definitely, I, do, you, do you want the Lakers to get swept? Probably not. Um, the Lakers, like, to me, one of those teams that I absolutely hate. Oh, you bet. Um, they're kind of like the New York Yankees to me, so I'm okay with this. Um, you know, I, I really am. Um, so, you know, it, it's fine in my opinion. 
but you know it'll be fun to watch regardless um you know it's it's a good time it's that time of year where we're watching the best in basketball play for a championship and we're also trying to find out the end of the college games results and who's going to get drafted where and we're going to cover more of that next week thank you guys so much for listening and once again please like and subscribe to the youtube channel or follow the podcast on spotify or apple we greatly appreciate it yeah for sure thank you guys uh for sticking with us through this first season uh beginning of the second and we're excited to bring you guys more stuff yep definitely all right guys talk to you later thanks